0: Ephesians. Okay? Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. We'll have let's hope there's no echo today. There was none on yours. No. That's right. Okay, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be reading down to um, verse 10 to uh, verse 9, I beg your pardon, uh, but we will be looking at various parts of this um, uh, chapter as we go through. I've entitled this message, um, Past, Present, and Future, or Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. Um, And the Bible says, let's look into the Word of God now. If you want to stand, it would be good as we read the Word of God. And the Bible says, "And you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in, in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. Is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the power of your word. Lord, it's able to change people's lives. I thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Pray that, Lord, you'd help me to uh, preach this message. That, Lord, you'd uh, bless each heart. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 ever been to a fate have you ever been to a fate you know what a fate is yes. like a fair. it's like a fair yeah. we used to call it a fate when I was younger we used to go to uh, um, in Africa and, uh, we were living in uh, Zimbabwe then and it was in the 50s um, and um, we used to have a fate and they used to have like poles put in the ground they used to have hessian bags put around there and they used to have various things games and, and tombola you know and, stuff like that. and We used to love it because we were kids and there was always something to do there, something you could win. You could pay a, uh, five cents or something and have a number called up and you'd get the prize which was hanging up. And there was always something good uh, good about that. But there was this Christian man, he went to a fight and as he was walking around these different stalls, he caught the eye of a woman who was sitting at a table and she had a glass ball and some cards and She called out to him and said, You cross my palm with silver and I'll tell you what your future is. So the man walked over to her and said, Ma'am, you know what? I know my past, my present and my future. The Bible tells me my past, my present and my future. And I can tell your future if you don't realize that you're a sinner. As the Bible says, And believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, That he was buried that he rose again from the dead. I can tell you without a doubt how your future will turn out. But that can change. If you give me a few minutes I'll tell of your time, I'll tell you the gospel, let you know what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. And you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. But she said, I just don't have time to waste. You're wasting my time here. You're costing me money. Move off. So she started looking for someone else who she could... Uh, call to her who was in the same state that she was in. I don't know if anybody's ever spoken to you about that. Have you ever heard of people uh, going to these um, fortune tellers, in their tellers? You know, I'd be impressed if I could go to a fortune teller and he could tell me what I did yesterday. <laughs> that would be something. If he could do that, then I'd be, I'd be impressed. Because <laughs> it's easy to say, this is going to happen tomorrow, or well, that's going to happen in your life. But there's only one who knows. And that's God. God knows. I know my past. And I think that everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, they all have a different view of the past. If you're born again, different. your life is different. My testimony, that I, how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, is different to yours. You all came to, to the Lord Jesus in a different manner. I remember when, when uh, uh, you, you got saved, Remember? Okay, you got saved. Remember that day? Remember when you got saved? And, you know, the, but everybody has a different uh, view of the past, and um, it was as different when you know where we came from. In fact, the Bible tells me that I was dead in trespasses and sins in times past. You know that a dead person can do nothing to change their condition. Have you ever heard of when, in America when they, um, uh, when a, a a condemned prisoner is moved from one place to another. They'll shout, dead man walking. He's been sentenced to death and he's walking, but he's as good as dead. He's going to be sentenced to death. And that's how I was. I was a dead man walking. I was spiritually dead. I knew nothing about God. Okay, look, I can say that I've heard of God. But I didn't know the God of the Bible. I had this uh, and as we grew up, we'd see like pictures maybe of, of an old man with a beard, and then you'd think of God being something like that. but God' is nothing like that. I knew nothing about him. I knew nothing about the Bible. I'd never read the Bible, and um, I don't know about you, and I'm pretty sure most of you are about the same so I didn't know about salvation. I didn't know that, that I needed to be. I went to church and I went to the Catholic Church when I was younger with my dad but I'd never heard the gospel I'd never heard that you needed to trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved I never heard that to me it was just like rituals that were happening nothing I never heard the gospel I never heard that Jesus died for my sins and that he was buried and rose again to death I never knew that I had to be born again nobody said to me that I needed to be born again I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ okay I might have heard of his name, and possibly I might have used his name as a curse word, which happens all the time here. It does, it gets a bit um, monotonous, doesn't it? Where every day you hear, oh my, you know know how it goes. That's all you hear all the time, where God's name is taken in vain, not realizing that uh, what they're doing, you take the Lord's name in vain, he says that, God will not hold you guiltless. You're you're guilty. I don't know about you, but since I've been saved, would you ever think of going back to that situation? You know, where you knew nothing. It was just... we, We were without hope. I don't know if you've ever heard of a lady... By the name of um, Helen Keller. Anybody yes. heard of Helen Keller? Well, Helen Keller was a lady that. Um, well, she was a uh, 19 months old. Anyway, when she was a little girl, she contracted contracted rubella or um, scarlet fever, and because of that, she became deaf and blind. And um, as she grew up to infancy, and as she became a bit older, she was. Wild and unruly, and, and uh, she became a bit of a bit tyrannical. And then, um, after uh, she, after she, uh, after when she was older, she remarked that as an adult, that her life changed on the 3rd of March, 1887. On that day, Anne Sullivan, who was a teacher and who came to uh, help the family uh, to uh, handle uh, Helen, um, she was a 20-year-old ga- graduate, and. Um, she was 14 years old, older than Helen, and um, Anne's success story is quite amazing if you get to uh, find out about look on online about her life. But um, Helen was um, unruly and spoiled, and she tyrannized everybody. And um, Anne believed that the key to uh, reaching Helen was to teach her obedience and love, and she saw the need to discipline but not crush the spirit of her young charge. As a result. Within a week, staying with the family, she had uh, gained permission to remove Helen from the family and to uh, from the main house and, and, and live alone in a small cottage. And they remained there for two weeks. And Anne began the task of teaching Helen by manual signing in the child's hand. So um, you know, she and Anne bought a, a doll to um, uh, to Helen from the children that uh, that made it made it for her, some other children and. Um, Uh, By spelling the word doll into the child's hand, she hoped that she could teach her to connect a word with an object. And and that's a difficult thing. I mean, you you can't hear. You can't see. So how do you... You know, she was like hopeless, pretty hopeless. And that's just like we are. Before we were saved, we were deaf and we were blind. We couldn't... The gospel didn't get in to us. We didn't... That's how we were. We were dead in trespasses and sins. So Helen quickly learned from letters correctly and in the right order, but she didn't know how, she didn't know that she she was spelling a word, and she didn't even know the words existed. So in the days that followed, she learned to spell a great many more words, but it was uncomprehend. She didn't comprehend it. In April April 5th, 1887, less than a month after her arrival, Anne uh, sought to resolve the confusion for a pupil who was having between uh, the nouns a mug and milk, which Helen confused with the verb drink. See, she couldn't get grasp whatever it was that she she had. She'd have a mug in her hand or something. She'd sound some mug, but she thought it was drink. She didn't couldn't understand it. And anyway, she put. Um, she put, went, went outside and she took Helen uh, to the water pump out and put Hel- Helen's hand under the tap. And as the water was running over her hand, she spelt it in the other hand. First slowly, then rapidly. And suddenly, the signals had meaning as, it, as that water flowed over her hand. That substance flowed over her hand. And she stopped and she, she realized the first time that who was running over her hand was water and she alive all of a sudden and she jumped and she went to the ground and asked "What's that?" and she put earth and she realized that and within that one day she learned 30 <laughs> words that she could understand isn't that incredible mm-hmm. incredible thing mm-hmm. and that's like us you know when we're on un- the unsaved are like Blind until that moment that the Spirit of God helps us to realize that we are sinners and we need to be saved. At that moment, we were alive. That's why it says that God has quickened us, you who are dead in trespasses, and that word quickened means to make alive. What an incredible thing. We should praise God, don't you think? Every day... That we have everlasting life. <clears throat> the Bible teaches, and we believe in this church, that once you're saved, you cannot lose your salvation. Name it. It's impossible. <clears throat> I'm secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. At one time, I was condemned. The Bible says in John three eighteen, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name the only begotten son of God did you see that it was a time when I was condemned already I was doomed I was separated from God because of my sin spiritually I was dead and had I continued in that state if I had continued to reject the Lord Jesus Christ that spiritual death would have led me ultimately to the second death the wages of sin is death eternal separation from God in hell, ultimately in the lake of fire, which is the second death. Isn't it amazing? The Bible says that if you um, uh, you have to be born again, if you uh, are born once, and you're not saved, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. That's an incredible thought, isn't it? Because if you're born again, you'll never lose your salvation. But if you're not saved, there's a thing called the second death. In Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, the Bible says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And Revelation uh, 21 verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and listen to this one, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. What an awful situation. What an awful thing to think about. Just think, there are many who are headed in in that direction. It's our job as born-again believers to share the gospel. I don't. We don't, want, no, we don't want anybody to go there. That is a terrible place to be. Hell isn't, is no joke. I've heard people say, I want to go into hell because that's where all my friends are. You don't want to go there. <laughs> Believe me. Hell is not a place you want to be. In verse 2 and 3 of our text, We're in in time past. So the dead, that is the spiritually the dead, the unsaved walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Some people think that the unsaved think that they're in control of, of their destiny. They're in control of everything. That isn't so. They might think so. But there's a spirit that works in the unsaved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 and 4 it says... But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan and his devils, they are the working, and they are working on the unsaved. And they're walking, and they walk according to the course of this world. We all used to do that. Satan's blinding their minds to the gospel, and he blinded our mind to the gospel until that day that somebody shared the gospel with us and we believed. Satan is a murderer and a liar, he's the father of lies. In John 8 44, it says so that he is the a, 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 a father of lies. Let's just turn in our Bibles if you want, you? John chapter 8, verse 44. This is the, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus when he was uh, confronted by the Pharisees. And um, the Bible says, "Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. In verse 11, of Ephesians, of this of our text. It says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So our text says, In time past in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision, that we were without Christ. Do you believe in aliens? People these aliens. Around and they're flying around and taking people out and doing experiments on them. Well, the Bible says here that um, we were once aliens. (laughs) Quite something, isn't it? We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 2 says we walked according to the course of this world. Where is... What about this, this world? What is this course of this world? Well, it's where sin is habitual. Sin is a habitual way of life. Where men are destitute of the principles of spiritual life. A place where there is no fruit of the Spirit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those those are the fruits of the Spirit, but only the works of the flesh in the course of this world. Galatians 5, 19 and 20 says, Now, the works of the flesh are these, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is lustfulness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, variance is dissension, emulations, desiring to be superior, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murder, murders, drunkenness, rebellions, and such like, which I tell you before, and I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Our text in verse 3 says that, among whom also we all had our conversation, all had our manner of life in that. But it says, our text in verse 3, amongst those we had kind our of manner of life in times past and the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and by nature children of wrath even as others. So when I was unsaved the desires of the flesh and of the mind had power over me and I yielded. We all yielded to them didn't we? You remember how we were? I think one of the worst things that that could happen I, I, I think I mentioned this before is that to be lost again, to be unsaved again. I'm so thankful that that is impossible. Once you're born again, you cannot be unborn. You were born. I was born. We were all born. You cannot be unborn. It's impossible. Just as when you when you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. Once you're, you're saved, you're always saved. Mm-hmm. Sure. You cannot be unborn. Just as you were born in the flesh, you cannot be unborn. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible is quite clear that once you're saved, you're always saved. You cannot lose your salvation. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'd like to read some verses for you here. Romans chapter 8. So is the speaker making a noise? chapter 8, we're looking at um, chapter 8 verses 38 and 39 and the Bible says here for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to uh, separate separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing. But nothing can separate us. Not even you. <laughs> Not even you. thing is, and our next point is, that I was a child of wrath in verse 3. In Romans 2.3, the Bible says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So instead of laying up treasure in heaven, which we ought to be doing as believers, we want to lay treasure up in heaven. Instead of laying up treasure in heaven, all I could do was pile sin upon sin. God is angry with sinners every day. In Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 11, uh, 711. I don't know if you've got that one there, Dave. Psalm 711, we got that so um, if you want to turn there we can turn there. Psalm seven eleven. Psalm 7, seven eleven says, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. But God is angry with sinners every day. Our course and our state deserved wrath. In Romans 1.18 it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That hold the truth. It means that men suppress the truth. They try to hold it down. Man doesn't want to hear the truth. He hates the the, the, the gospel. Men hate the gospel. They hate to hear it. They hate to to be uh, um, told what the Bible says. They don't like it. Because it goes against what what they are they, ha- they don't like it so they have suppressed the truth John 3:36 says "He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him the wrath of God is on him they said as the verse we read before for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men." And, um, and can end in eternal wrath. God's judgment is righteous. He knows all things. I'd like to read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. Isaiah chapter 11. Look in the Old Testament. Isaiah. We're reading from verse 1 through verse 5. And there shall come... Forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of wisdom and of fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after his, the hearing of his ears. And with the righteousness he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips and shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. You know, if we go before a court, <laughs> in, in, if we go before a, a judge, now a judge or a jury, they... they um, judge according to what they hear and what they see. I mean, how else can a, a judge make a judgment apart from what he sees and what he hears? The, that sounds reasonable. It? But the thing is, God doesn't uh, judge like that. He doesn't have to see and hear and see. He knows everything. He sees everything and he hears and he knows everything. Uh, it's not like you judge now. But uh, man can get away with things. Because he goes by evidence, and if there is no evidence of a crime, even though the man is guilty, he'll get away with it. Not before God. No. He doesn't judge by what he hears and what he sees. He judge, judges righteously. Always judges righteously. What an amazing God we have. Nothing is hidden from Him. The unsaved don't have a past like we do. They're still there. They're still in the past. And they're going to perish if they remain there. It's our job as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to share that gospel. Otherwise they're going to be eternally separated from God in hell. What an awful situation. Secondly, our present. Let's go back to our text here in Ephesians. Okay. Remember we read, uh, we all had our conversation in time past, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the mind, and, and we are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And there's still, uh, in the beginning of chapter 4, it says, But God, we were all in that situation, all lost, all without hope, Aliens, strangers from the commonwealth, of without hope, without God in the world. But now. Don't you love those words? Just imagine if it says, oh, too bad. You know, that's the way you have to stay. Uh, it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love with He loved us. Remember John 3.16? Everyone who knows that verse, for God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God that he is rich in mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve eternal punishment. If it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ and his payment for our sins, we would have nothing. We'd be lost. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us made us alive together with Christ by grace he save us. so mercy is not getting what we deserve and what is grace? grace is getting what we don't deserve it's getting what we don't deserve we were dead but now we're alive we're no longer far off no longer aliens no longer strangers no longer without hope no longer without God in the world We've been brought nigh or close by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a fellow citizen with the saints. I'm with the household of God. I'm now alive. Praise the Lord. That same power that raised up the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead made me alive. Ephesians 1.19 and 20 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I have spiritual life now. I'm saved by God's grace, by God's unmerited favor, getting that which I don't deserve, a free gift. Remember what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sinners' death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Free gift. The gift of salvation. What an amazing thing. And it says in the next point is that I've been raised up. A saved person, regenerated, regenerated, a born again Christian is raised up. It's done. Because Jesus lives, we live. And we raised up with Jesus Christ. When the Lord rose from the dead, he raised up all believers together with him. Because we are in Christ. There was a time when we were in Adam. In Adam all die. But in Christ all are made alive. But now we are in Christ. And because Jesus lives, we also live for all eternity. Eternal life in heaven. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me, and we've also been seated together in heavenly places, while the unsaved sinners roll in the dust and in the mud and in the dirt. Isaiah 57:20 says and 21 says, "But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose, uh, which cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt." There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. What a contrast where it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It says when we don't have God, there is no peace. There is no peace. While the saints, that is the same, sit together in heavenly places, positionally you and I, as Christians, are already... Seated with Christ. It's as good as done. Glory to God. And as He raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places. For this singular purpose. And this is our future. This purpose. That in the ages to come. In verse 7. He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us. Through Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing. We as believers will be an, on an eternal display in heaven where God is going to reveal himself to us. An eternal God. You know, there's things that we, we know. we these things we know. We all know something. But God is, has infinite knowledge. Infinite intelligence. Infinite love. Infinite goodness. He's omniscient. He knows everything there is to know. He's omnipotent. He has all power. And he knows everything. And he's, he says he's immutable. He's, he never changes. God is the same. Always. He doesn't change. He never changes. What a God we have. And he's going to uh, reveal to us himself. When you think of everything that has been made all these intricate small things we know nothing about and how God created us. Our bodies are so incredible. They say that we have, uh, in ourselves cells, there's like a, a, a machine. It's like a, a, an amazing, just a single cell of the human, human body. They say it's impossible that, that uh, a single cell could come from nothing, which we're, they're taught in the schools now that there was just this mud pool and um, a while ago, and a billion years ago, and all of a sudden there was a lightning or something, and then all of a sudden there was a cell. It's impossible. It's completely and utterly impossible. A lie. And, and, and this is the lie that um, the devil is, is brought into this world, and people believe it. You've you just got to uh, think of the the... Of the, the, the chemical compounds and the components in a cell how they could possibly in a, in a mud pool come together and then spark life Molecules know nothing about life life is an incre- it's an incredible thing it's an incredible thing and those small little things that I'm trying to get is God is going to reveal them to us how he did it will reveal to us those things that you never could understand. What's up in the space when men are trying their hardest to reach up just like they did with the tower <clears throat> of Babel tried to build a, a, a thing into heaven. Now they're building spaceships. See how high they can get. <laughs> they keep on trying and trying but they'll never reach to God. God is way, way far above. So in the ages to come He's going to reveal Himself to us what an amazing thing. In Revelation 21, verse 1 through 7, and we'll be closing with these few verses here, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no... And there was no more sea. That's an interesting thing. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and there's going to be no sea. I like the sea <laughs> but uh, it doesn't say there's not going to be any water so it probably will be water but um, I think it's because um, God said He's thrown all our sins into the sea the Bible says so. that so. He's cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea so maybe that's why there's no sea <laughs> the sin's gone so okay so there's no sea and I saw John I, John saw the holy city New Jerusalem, come down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall the end be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that athirst is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I'd like to just turn, if we can, to one John five, four and five. <clears throat> I don't know if you've got that on me, Dave. We know that? Okay. I, I, sometimes I add these things in here when I think about stuff. So, many people say well, how can I overcome?